Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Today, I'm meeting virtually with Emiko Jean. Her YA novel, Tokyo Ever After, was published last month. Emiko, this book just brought me so much joy. I just can't even say how much I enjoyed reading it. I was just smiling constantly the whole time. Thank you so much for coming on Read More to talk about it. Uh, Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for your kind words. Hearing um, how a book, how my book has resonated with a reader is always such a treat. Tokyo Ever After is Emiko's third novel. It's about a Japanese-American high school senior named Izumi Tanaka. She lives in a small town in Northern California and has grown up not knowing her father. Her mother has told her very little about him. She knows that they met in college, and that's about it. But through some snooping and sleuthing, she learns that he is the crown prince of Japan, which makes her a princess. She reaches out to him, and he sends for her to spend time with him in his palace. So, as I said earlier, I just fell in love with this book, and especially with Izumi. I was just rooting for her all the way. How did this amazing story, and how did this character come to you? Yeah, so there really wasn't a lightning bolt moment with this story. Um, Instead, it evolved over time and in layers, if that makes sense. I was really interested in writing about a girl, specifically a Japanese-American girl like myself, who was searching for her identity, um, essentially a place where she belongs to. Um, And while I was thinking about this girl, I was also reflecting on my own adolescence. And growing up, I couldn't find books that featured Japanese-American protagonists. In fact, I I can't even remember reading a book by a Japanese-American author. Um, and I wish with my whole heart to see myself in the books that I loved. Uh, so those two things, identity and representation, really became the driving force behind Tokyo Ever After. And once I had established that, it made sense to use the I'm really a princess trope um, and pair it with the search for cultural identity. Izumi has this tight-knit group of friends, the Asian Girl Gang, or AGG, and she goes to a school where there are not many Asian students. So you see them really bonding, even though they have different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Why was it important for you that she have this group of friends and that they all be Asian? I know sometimes writers face pressure from publishers to have a white character. Like there must be a white friend. You can't just tell this story that you want to tell that includes people of color. Yeah. Um So it's based on real life experiences. So I grew up in a mostly white community and there were very few Asian Americans and uh, we, we bonded, we formed our very own Asian girl gang and it was um, pan Asian, (laughs) like, like Azumi's girl gang. Um, And I really just wanted that representation to be so strong and to show, um, Asian Americans of different um, ethnicities and from different countries have that there. Um, You know, it's important to me. Sometimes I think, you know, we get one narrative of the Asian American experience. And really, there are so many different versions of the Asian American experience. Um, So it was important to me to have those girls in the story and have them in a very small way, uh, represented in the story, if that makes sense. 
Oh, it does perfectly. You mentioned that when you were growing up, you didn't have a chance to read books like this or even books by Japanese American authors. What do you think a book like yours would mean or will mean now for a girl who is like you, you know, for a Japanese American girl who is looking for examples that she can see that are like, like her or like her family? Yeah. Um, I get kind of emotional even when I talk about this or think about it. Um, because I didn't really even know growing up and, and it wasn't until now as an adult that I reflected on it, how formative that lack of presence was. Um, I loved reading and I loved writing, but I never thought, um, of, you know, being an author as a career outlet for me. And I realize now is because I just didn't see Japanese American protagonists. I didn't see Japanese American authors. Um, so that pathway was closed to me. I feel like at a very young age. Um, and it makes me wonder now if I had had, uh, you know, Japanese American authors, um, you know, or Japanese American protagonists, how much sooner I might've started writing. Um, and so what I'm hoping this book does is, you know, open doors or let other Asian Americans see that they can have writing careers. And second to that, I also think a lot about, um, you know, princesses, like that's such a big part of our lives, fairy tales growing up. And again, most of those princesses in those fairy tales are, um, are white. And the kind of subliminal message there is that girls of color don't have happily ever afters. And so, you know, second to that, I hope that, you know, Asian American girls can see that they, you know, they can have happily ever afters too, that they're, they deserve them and they're worthy of them. We talked about this. Um, well, you mentioned this a little bit earlier about the idea of belonging and figuring out where you fit in. Mm -hmm. And so we see this with Izumi throughout the novel where she is mentioning that never being able to find a keychain with her name on it, which I think a lot of people who have um, uncommon names can relate to. Uh, but then it goes deeper than that about people not being, or not even making the effort to pronounce her name and giving a nickname. Or at one point she talks about how she just wanted to be white. Yeah. And once she goes to Japan, we see she has a whole another problem where she is too American, she feels like, to fit in. Mm -hmm. So what is it about this sense of belonging that made you say, well, this is something I really want to explore in this novel? Yeah, again, this is so indicative of my own journey as a Japanese American, as a teen. I think Izumi's journey is the one that I wish I had had when I was a teenager. I actually didn't end up reconciling my own identity um, until I wrote this book. Um, I had always felt bifurcated, um, that I was Japanese and American, but never a whole person, uh, if that makes sense. Um, and so that's really the journey that I wanted, you know, Izumi to go on, whereas where she reconciled you know, she recognized that she was a whole and complete person. And it doesn't, I don't think, wrap up in a nice tidy box because 
those things that she encounters will still exist because the world hasn't, you know, come to the place that Izumi is at by the end of the book. Um, I was just thinking about what I'm talking about right now and I'm, I'm giving away spoilers, but I think it's okay. Cause this is a great honest conversation. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still going to be those times where she faces people or, you know, in real life too, where we face people that say that we aren't enough of one thing or we aren't enough of another thing. And, um, and I think the key is, is, you know, figuring out a space that belongs uniquely to you. And I, I think that that's where I, I, I brought Azumi is that she's um, found a space where she fits in and where she feels confident and has agency. So we have to talk about Akio. He is the bodyguard who is assigned to Izumi and they do not like each other at all at first. So they have this great meet cute story. And then she begins to wonder, you know, could he be the one? And this was one of my favorite parts of the book. And I was wondering for you, like how much fun was it for you to get to write this aspect of the story and just to create this wonderful character? Uh, it was so much fun. I don't know about you, but I, I love a good romance. <laughs> Definitely. I, um, I grew up reading. So my mom used to read historical romance novels like bodice rippers. And I remember sneaking them, um, into like closets or into my room and reading <laughs> romance novels. Uh, and so I, you know, I wanted to kind of recreate that dynamic um, in, in this book. Um, and so it's kind of her and Akio butt heads from the beginning. And I started out the novel thinking that it was kind of an enemies to friends to lovers trope. But now looking back on it, I think it's more of an opposites to friends to uh, lovers trope um, in the sense that they're just from two different uh, cultures. They have different life experiences and those lead to misunderstanding. Um, and once they're able, able to kind of see each other and overcome those obstacles, they, they really become great friends um, and are able to be a bit more vulnerable with each other. This novel sent me to Google a lot. Uh, as I was reading, I realized there's so much that I don't know about the royal family in Japan. And I thought it was very educational in that way. What was that part of it like for you? Did you have to do a lot of research? Or was this an area of interest already? And so you knew a lot of these things or... Uh, I guess I just want to know, did you have to go to a lot of sources and find out a lot about this before you wrote about this world. Yeah. So the Imperial family um, was probably the most challenging aspect of writing this novel. Um, I wanted, you know, Azumi to be a lost princess. The Imperial family is such an institution. It's the oldest hereditary monarchy. And in many ways they represent the good and the bad of Japan so it just, it seemed right that her search for identity would be on like this grand scale. Um, but very little is known about the women in the Imperial family. I mean, you can find their biographies, but with their like personal day-to-day -day lives, their loves, their feelings, uh, their personalities, a lot of that is unknown. Um, so 
you know, I went, I went to like historical texts, all that kind of stuff for the emperors and uh, to kind of create a lineage for this faux imperial family that I created. Um, but I really had to rely on online articles to kind of figure out um, what the women of the imperial family were like. This past year has been really difficult in so many ways for our country. And in one way in particular, we have just seen this sharp increase in anti-Asian hate crimes. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading, I found myself thinking about that and wondering if a book like yours could possibly have an impact for teenagers who are reading it now. Could they maybe, they grow up, and maybe they won't have these attitudes. Then I also thought, or you know, wondered, is that too much to put on one novel? So I was interested to know what your thoughts were on that. You know, it's so difficult. I was talking to another Asian American author last night, and we were speaking about, um, because there's so little representation um, in young adult literature, that there's this pressure to kind of get it right and be the voice of, you know, everyone. And I felt that pressure at the beginning of writing this novel that, um, you know, should I write this novel? Can I write this novel? Um, I want to get this narrative right. And what I kind of had to do was just kind of come back to myself and write my truth. Um, And so it's very reflective of my own experiences. And that's what I think is important to remember that this is one version of the Asian American experience. And there are so many more and they are so varied. Um, But Asian Americans have rich, complex lives. And I think, and what I hope is, you know, that this story shows that although it is, you know, fictional and it's um, fluffy and fun and a romance, but I I just think it, I would love for um, Asian American girls to see themselves you know, worthy of grand stories and also um, of having voices. I think, you know, for me, I've spent a long time being silent about things. And I realize now that I've kind of been conditioned to be silent and not speak up as much. Um, I have, you know, the whole model minority thing. And, um, you know, I just, I want, you know, Asian Americans to find their voices and just young girls in general, like, We're very strong, powerful. We have voices and they matter. Definitely. I think you've told a very empowering story. I hope so. Well, now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about what you like to read. Sure. If you could only read three books for the rest of your life and you really pour over them and study them as much as you wanted, but you could not read anything else, which three books would you choose? Oh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, I loved uh, growing up, and I return to it often, The Alchemist. And, um, you know, I actually am ashamed to say I don't know how to pronounce the author's name. Um, So I am not going to try to pronounce it in the interest of butchering it. Um, But it is a beautiful book. um, And I... uh, I remember reading it a lot when I was younger and being so touched by it and coming back to it. Um, Another book that I would read is a a book that I had when I was younger, which is um, 
a thousand and one best loved American poems. And it's a really thick book. And so there's a lot in there. Um, and I feel like I could read that over and over again. And I have, um, and a third one, what would my third one be? I don't know. Can I name just two? You can name just two. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) On the flip side of that though, of of books that you just love, uh, is there a book you feel like you're kind of on the outside of like everyone else seems to love it. It might have lots and lots of fans. It might have lots of critical acclaim, but just doesn't do it for you. So either you couldn't finish it or you did finish it and you're just like, I don't understand the hype surrounding this book. Um, yeah. So I'm going to out myself here. Like I, I started the hunger games and I couldn't, I didn't read the rest of it. I didn't, um, I think craft wise, it's a great book. Like I admired the writing and, um, but I just, it wasn't something that I was super interested in. So I think I read like half of the first book and then I didn't return to it. I thought it was okay. There's no shame here. Thank you. Thank you. What are you reading right now? I just finished Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boley, um, which is a YA thriller. It's so good. Um, it's beautifully written. Um, it's wonderfully crafted. I stayed up late, like eat, I stayed up late reading it. I think I fed my kids like chocolate chips the next morning. <laughs> But um, it's it's a great book. And what about your own projects? Are you already writing something new? Yes. So there will be a second book uh, to Tokyo Ever After. There will be a follow up. And yay! I know. Cheers. Yay! Definitely. <laughs> uh, it's uh, and it'll be. I've I've gotten a lot of questions if it will be another character in the universe, but it will be. It will follow Izumi. Um, and so she'll still be at the Imperial Palace and we'll see friends from the States come over and there will be more Akio and more kissing and romance and royal hijinks, all of it. Well, I cannot wait to read it. I got to see what happens between the parents. Oh, my goodness. The story is just great. <laughs> yeah, the parents. I get asked a lot about the parents, too. And um, I don't know. I feel like. I'd li- I'd love to get the chance to tell their story. That's all I'll say. Okay. Well, we are waiting, definitely. <laughs> so where can readers find you online if they just want to, you know, see what you're up to or see what you're working on next? Yeah. So I have a website that needs to be updated, and that's at emicodine.com. But that is the best way to get directly in touch with me because there's a contact uh, form there. And I'm on Instagram, Emiko Jean Books, um, and you can find me there, and I post pretty regularly, and um, I also check messages on there, although I get a lot of messages on there, so they kind of get lost in the shuffle. So if you want to, t- to reach out and touch base, my website is the best place to do that. Well, Emiko Jean, thank you so much for coming on the show, and again, congratulations on Tokyo Ever After. Thank you very much. You can find out how to win a free copy of Tokyo Ever After on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support Emiko and the show through buying the book on our site. 
please follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again next time for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more.